Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. <sighs> Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to your therapy session here on this beautiful Monday night. Look, the Vikings embarrassed us on Sunday, 40 to 3 against the Dallas Cowboys. And it was so bad that CBS diverted the majority of the country from the Vikings and Cowboys to the Steelers and Bengals. What can we take away from this game? There are a lot of different things that we're going to discuss here tonight, but honestly, this is a turning point for the Vikings, and that's why the show is aptly named. Welcome to The Real Forno Show. Welcome to The Real Forno Show. Managing editor of the USA Today's Vikings Wire. Betting and college football analysis for the Fantasy Points website. Publisher of Substack Run and Shooter. Host of The Good, The Bad. And the Hungy on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network, as well as a member of Climbing the Pocket. Dave, I just want to ask you one question as we get started here today. How do you feel about your big round bellies sucking on Sunday? Ezra did pretty good. He did. Um... As a whole, the unit was bad, 20 pressures. Well, as a whole, the unit. Um, oh. Ed Ingram oversetting, as usual. Uh, they couldn't deal with the stunts. Mm-hmm. They couldn't deal with the blitzes. It was uh, too much, too fast. They've got to figure it out, or we will possibly implode, which I hope is not the case, because uh, other teams figured out how to beat the Vikings. Now, we have, speaking of the big round bellies, we have some concern. Christian Darisaw, best tackle in the NFL, had a second concussion two weeks in a row. That is not good. He's going to be out on Thursday. He'll probably be out even longer. The brain is something you don't want to mess with. Now, my question is, when it comes to concussions, the NFL has worked with the U.S. military over the last decade to make better helmets, both for the military and for the NFL, to help against concussion injuries. Because in the military, we get it through blasts. Um, You get an inbound mortar, and you get that explosion blast. In the military, or in the football, you obviously get it with uh, hits. And it doesn't have to necessarily be head-to-head. It could be head whipping back and hitting the turf. And there's a big argument over... The players wanting to go to grass in all stadiums over that. But the helmet development, yes, they've gotten better. I would like to see it more and more improved so we don't have to worry about what happens if Kristen Darisaw gets another one when we're looking at probably the best left tackle we've had in well over a decade, right? He's playing better than um, what's-his-face did, Khalil. Um, in his rookie season. So I worry about it. I worry about 
how they're playing. Hopefully, Coach will figure that out. Hopefully, they'll scheme some stuff better against good defensive lines. <coughs> Pardon me. Uh, my cold is still hanging on. It's moved into my chest, which I don't like. But um, with good defensive lines, Vite, or the Dallas Cowboys had the number one rush, pass rush in the league. We now face on Thursday the get that bad taste out of your mouth game, the number two team with pass rushes, the New England Patriots. So it's going to be interesting. And then we're going to face the Jets, who also have a good pass rush. It shall be interesting. I hope they figure it out. Because if they don't, this is going to end up being a disappointment, disappointing seasons. Niner Sickness, welcome to the pod. Did the Vikings have a bad game or did they get exposed? Yes and yes. Hopefully it won't stay that way. Yes, Davey, I do need to take a shot. I do have some bourbon and soda right now that I'm drinking. Hopefully it will soothe the throat. But hopefully I won't have to talk as much anymore. And Tyler will pontificate for the majority of the show. I was going to say, I was wondering if you were going to let me talk, Dave. You went on a nice little diatribe there. But uh, let's let's kind of start in the comments, because um, there's a lot that I want to get to here tonight. And the comments have already really given us the platform to kind of talk about our first thing. Um, one, great to have Mary back. Talked yes. to her earlier today. Sent Gave her the latest batch of Odie pictures. Nah. She, she was very happy with the, with the puppy. I'm jealous, lost- Mary. I didn't get the Odie pictures. Hey, you know what? I told you this yesterday, Dave. Odie lost his first tooth um, yesterday afternoon. Um, I did not get to keep it and put, put a dollar under his pillow. But uh, <laughs> I do know he lost it because we played in the morning. I noticed it was loose. Played at night. I noticed it was gone. Um, but let's let's start here. Um, Niners Sickness Podcast, you already mentioned the question. Did the Vikings have a bad game or did they get exposed? I think, Dave, your answer of yes and yes is correct, but I'll also say this. I think it, what got exposed, like, the method to beat the Vikings has been clear since week two. It, it's a very simple formula. Get pressure with four guys consistently, play man coverage on the outside, and play it well. That's it. It's a very simple formula. The Eagles had the horses to do it, and so did the Cowboys. A lot of teams don't have the horses to do it. And this is what, when you face the really good elite teams in the National Football League, like one of the reasons Buffalo couldn't do it, one, they don't play a ton of straight man across the board. Every team plays man to a point. But they like to play a lot of cover two quarters and do it. It's Leslie Frazier. We we saw him when what he did in Minnesota. He runs a lot of the same stuff, except he's evolved with the times. But the big thing is, When you have the horses to do that, the Vikings have not made adjustments. And I think what really got exposed is Kevin O'Connell as a head coach and schemer and how he was willing to adapt. Like, Ed Donatel has done a pretty good job of adapting and holding teams pretty solid in the second half. Look, that uh, wheel route touchdown to Tony Pollard, the pressure didn't get home. And Dak Prescott threw it like second number six. Yep. And Tony Pollard ran a choice route and then he uh, veered upfield for a wheel. And he destroyed Jordan Hicks. Like, you, it's hard to be mad at the defense for allowing that when the pressure can't get home. You can't expect these guys to cover 
for six seconds. That's that's not fair or reasonable. Like, okay, it happened. It sucks. Let's move on. But I'm not putting that on the on the coverage. The pre- there has to be some semblance of pressure there. And they didn't get it. But overall, Donatel's done a really good job of adjusting mid-game. And that comes from his experience because he's been in the NFL for nearly 30 seasons. Kevin O'Connell got drafted in 2008 in the third round. He has not been a coach in the National Football League for that long. In 2014, they even said it on the broadcast. He was calling games for CBS Sports Network. And it's frustrating to not see any adjustments from the Vikings offense because you could see early on, on the third play of the game, Micah Parsons strip sack. Darisaw allowed his first two sacks of the season and his first sacks in the last 13 games on Sunday. Now, when you see that your offensive line is getting victimized consistently, there are a lot of things you can do to help counteract it. Now, I'm not privy to the game plan, so I'm just going off based on what I saw. They were running a lot of longer concepts. They were not trying to get the ball out quickly. They were not running misdirection. They were not trying to run screen passes and get these guys to go upfield, and then all of a sudden Dalvin Cook sneaks out behind them, and then you could take advantage for 15 to 20 yards. We weren't doing that kind of stuff. Tight end screens are great because you don't have to have anybody do anything differently because the tight end blocks, he whips his hips, catches it, and then it's a middle screen, so you just kind of veer upfield. Those can work, but they can also be stopped for that very same reason. One of the other things I found inherently frustrating is I did not see a lot of chip blocks. I did not see a lot of max protect sets to try and uh, do some play action. They just kind of ran their offense, and they're just like, look, we're going to live and die by this thing, and this is the National Football League. This isn't college football where if you have the horses, you could just run the same offense. Like, look at Clemson. Clemson's offense stinks, but they run the same offense and their defense is so good that it really hasn't mattered. This is the National Football League. It matters here. You have to be willing to adapt. There's a saying, adapt or die. Mm -hmm. And Kevin O'Connell chose death on Sunday when he didn't have to. Now, could they have come back? Let's be honest, probably not. Like Hindsight is always 20-20 in these things, but the Vikings have a history of coming back. They did not adapt all against the Dallas Cowboys and they basically just played their straight game plan and to me that's what was exposed and they need they need to figure it out mm-hmm. um Niner Sixes podcast will say this Clemson needs to learn how to recruit receivers that can separate and not have an offense that is like elementary if they fix those two things national titles like that's it uh Beto uh Tyler does college scouting every year. He's uh, very good at it, uh, just to let you know. Um, I want to hit on something that Nick said, that uh, we uh, seven-step dropped to death. You know, And you talk about adapting and changing to defeat that rush. One of the things is you go to a three-step drop, quick passing game, and that never happened. And it's one of those things that left me scratching my noggin as to why Kevin O'Connell should know better that if you got a heavy pass rush, make things quick. You make things quick, Kirk Cousins doesn't get the pressure. Yes, you're not getting the long throw to Justin Jefferson, 
but you're getting the ball out to somebody two, three, four, five, six, seven, ten yards down the field, and then let them make the play and get the yards. And that will slow things down a bit. And then you you can start mixing it up after that. It did not happen, and I want to. I appreciate Nick for bringing that up. Yeah, it's. Why would you seven strop? Let me get the word vomit out. Why would you seven step drop Kirk to death when one he is not the most mobile guy? Two, you could tell his pocket presence was not on the upper echelon of what Kirk's pocket presence is Mm -hmm. because he was getting pressured to death. Like, why in the world? Are you just going to send him back consistently on seven step drops? Like this is this is blatantly stubborn and incredibly frustrating. You could call it malpractice, Dave. You could honestly call it malpractice. Like take a look. It if I keep trying, like you remember those little kid toys? Uh, did you buy them for your kids? Where it's like it's like a little square, a cube, and they're like different shapes. And and as a kid, like your sensor, you're trying to put like the shape circle in the circle hole, the triangle in the triangle. Do you remember that? Oh yeah. Why in the world are we trying to shove a triangle in a circle and a rhombus in a square? It doesn't work. What are we doing here? You, if you see something's not working, you don't just keep spamming it to death. You know what you do? You say, Hey, this isn't working. Oh, we have these nice little things called tablets and we can see with still shots and video why it's not working. Oh, Micah Parsons is destroying our left tackle. Hey, let's have TJ Hawkinson line up right there and go boom, punch him right, right in the shoulder pad, That'll knock work. him off balance. Hey, Darisaw, your elite left tackle. Look, your elite left tackle is going to lose to an elite pass rusher. That is okay. There's nothing wrong with that. You, you're going to lose. Like the whole point of being an offensive lineman is if you're going to lose, to lose slowly. You're going to lose – you want to lose slow. And you know what? That's what we talked about with Bradbury. Lose slow. Because the slower you lose, the easier it's going to be for Cousins to get that ball out. But when they're losing fast, where's the adjustment? How how is Ed Ingram at this point in the season, Dave, consistently oversetting to the right? This is something that we identified against the San Francisco 49ers in the preseason. Remember that Javon Kinlaw sack? It was blatantly because he overset to the right. We're still dealing with this. Chris Cooper's done a pretty good job. And overall, like, the pressure numbers aren't great. But I think we can agree. The offensive line as a whole has been an improvement. And Kirk Cousins feels more comfortable back there, which nullifies some of those pressures. Oh, he gets pressured eight times a game? All right. Well, three of them, Kirk is figuring out because he's playing better and more confident. Like, that's fine. Like, in a vacuum, look, it is it is what it is. But why are we still making the same mistakes? And now, I'm a big fan, and I know you are too. Ed Ingram needs to learn on the fly. There are There's so much good to his game that you deal with the bad. And you try and counteract it with your great tackles and sliding protection over. Because Cleveland's proven, outside of that Washington game, which at this point... We can call it an anomaly because he had back-to-back good football games against both the Bills and Cowboys. He was the Vikings' number one rated player on offense this past weekend per PFF. You have to help him out. 
And you have to help these tackles out when they're getting just absolutely destroyed. What are we doing here? It's incredibly frustrating that there's been, it seemed there's no effort made. You know what? Justin Jefferson, Dave, I don't know if you've seen this yet. I just wrote it up for the Vikings Wire about, I'd say about an hour ago. I'm going to pull it up here and I'm going to read this to you verbatim. Justin Jefferson, I wish we had adjusted faster throughout the game. And he explicitly talked about Kirk Cousins getting the ball out quickly. Look, this isn't necessarily on Kirk Cousins. That We have been very critical of Kirk Cousins in this space. This loss is not on Cousins. He was failed. He was failed by the offensive line. He was failed by the play calling. He was failed by the scheme. He was failed by the game plan. Most importantly, he was failed by the lack of adjustments on the offensive side of the football to uh, to figure out what the Dallas defense is doing and then fix it or counteract it or something. Honestly, I wasn't even embarrassed by the performance. You could tell those guys were trying. They were trying, but they were set up to fail. And when you're set up to fail, oh, I'm just going to keep failing. That sounds like fun. No, you fix failure. You're going to fail consistently in the National Football League. It's the nature of football because you're playing against great competition and great athletes and great minds. The Vikings are going to fail a ton on Thursday because they're playing against arguably the greatest coach in the history of professional sports, Bill Belichick. How are you going to combat failure? How are you going to learn from it and be better? That's the big question that we have uh, so far moving forward. How is this team going to combat failure and fix it? I don't have faith right now that Kevin O'Connell is going to be able to do it the rest of the season. I'm not saying he can't. That, that's, that's not what this is about. Kevin O'Connell has not proven that he can make those slick in-game adjustments to be able to fix failure. And to me, that's, that's the biggest question mark for this team moving forward. They have to be able to fix what's not working. They have to be willing to be adjust and not have an ego because that can be a big thing with play callers. I don't know if it's one with Kevin O'Connell. It doesn't feel that way, Dave. And you feel free to correct me if you think I'm wrong. Play callers have massive egos. There's nothing wrong with that. Most but you have to understand we well, have to understand when your ego gets in the way and you have to be willing to fix it and modify it. Admit, hey, I'm wrong, so I'm going to fix it and win. Use your ego to your advantage. Tell your ego that your ego yesterday was wrong and your ego today is right. I want to see that fix. And I saw a question come up um, from RJ Martin, who I'm 99% sure is my cousin. And if you are, I appreciate you, man. Thanks for listening. Um, do you think the game has a different path if Hawk catches that early TD? Whereas Dallas can be too much handle regardless. Look, I think it's a fair question. I think you could have said the same thing against uh, the Eagles if they would have been able to have Irv Smith Jr. catch that. But this wasn't a pulverizing loss. Like, the Cowboys just didn't, like, go all blitzkrieg. It was 23-3 at half. This this wasn't brutal. Like, they methodically beat us down, destroyed us. It wasn't one of those things where you had, like, a couple plays that it's like, oh, 80-yard touchdown, 60-yard touchdown. No. They were consistently driving the ball, running it down our throats, 
and they took us out of the game mentally. I think if Hawk catches that, maybe it's a little different, but I don't think that it's so different and it it sets the tone. Like that Irv Smith touchdown would have been a 50-yarder against the Eagles. That is a momentum changer. That was just, he wasn't able to bring it down to the corner of the end zone. Like, I don't think it changes a whole lot. Um, But I do think that it could have changed. I don't know. It. I, I don't, it's not the momentum swing that it would have been for the Eagles game. And to me that I don't think it's an issue. Dave, I'm out of breath a little bit. Okay, Let's hear your I wanna, opinion. I want to answer uh, Beto's question here from Niner Sickness. What's the difference between eight games won compared to two losses um, to your head coach making the in-game adjustments? In-game adjustments. Uh, Beto, I think it is – I think he's a very, very good young head coach. He's in his rookie year. He's learning as well as everybody else. There is – we've come with good plans – for most of the season, eight games, we've got eight wins. We've come from behind in, I think, all of them to win the game. The confidence building by him and the attitude given to the team has helped and that has fostered we're able to win, come from behind. In the two losses, however, both were running basically the same script. You put Kirk Cousins under pressure and the offense tends to fail or not be as near as productive as we like. That is, you take Bill Belichick's not notice that? Oh, of course he did. He's going to be looking at that come Thursday. We're going to get the same deal. Kevin O'Connell needs to look at himself. There is, every season teams have... Moments of adversity. This is where a big one for Kevin O'Connell coming off that just absolutely ass-whooping we took on Sunday. He's got to figure out how to fix that. It is, can he? I don't know. He's a rookie coach. We've only seen him this one year. So I hope he can. I Pardon me. I really hope it can, but it is. Uh, I think he can. I have faith in him that he can. It's going to be looking at what went wrong on Sunday, fixing it, knowing that next time we see that, all right, is one of the questions we I have out for tomorrow when we or not for tomorrow for Wednesday when we talk with beat writers from the Patriots is where do their pressures come from? Do they come from the outside? Do they come from the interior? Do they come through stunts? Do they come through blitzes? He's got to be able to answer. I asked that question, but he has to ask that question, and he has to be able with our offensive line coach to plan for that, whether it is to go to short passes, go to backs protect, bring C.J. Ham in as an extra blocker, um, Whatever it is, that has to be addressed. And this will be a test. Will he do that going into this game? Because literally, we are facing the number two pass rushing team in the league 
in the Patriots. Mm-hmm. So it's it's Buddy, I hope it goes well. I hope we get back to our winning ways and that we establish the Vikings is not a quote what we heard all at the beginning of the year, a fraudulent team, and that they come back and they are strong enough so they can adapt when we play San Francisco, Dallas, the Eagles, whatever, in the playoffs. Because they're going to need to figure it out or they're going to be one and done. No. I mean, you're right. Um, I want to jump back to the point where um, I mentioned that I didn't have faith in O'Connell. Ed, thanks for coming on, buddy. Ed, if people that don't know, is our uh, salary cap expert. The man is a genius when it comes to figuring out the numbers and contracts for climbing the pocket. Now we'll get back to whatever. Sorry about that. I just wanted to highlight Ed. Fair enough. Um, I think, I think you know, might have been just a, a little hyperbolic when you when talking about O'Connell not having faith in him. I think you probably can do it. But, man, it's really hard to see a game like that where you just get absolutely obliterated schematically. And school. You just – it's a good word. Oh, yeah. He didn't just get schooled, Dave. He got schooled by Mike McCarthy. Now, obviously, McCarthy's got two tremendous coordinators who are probably going to be head coaches next year. But I'll say this much. I really think the Vikings were hungover on Sunday. Like, the hangovers are real, man. How, how that Buffalo game went down, they played extra. They have a short week coming up, and we're, I'm going to get to that here in a minute because there's some historical precedent that some of these guys played through four years ago when they had an embarrassing game and then had a short week. But it feels like there are a lot of things in the air, a look-ahead spot to New England, just coming off of an absolute high against Buffalo. Feels like this could have been a letdown game, and you know what? Better happen now than in January, baby. Um, And let's revisit history because if you remember, the last time the Vikings played the Buffalo Bills was 2018. Josh Allen's rookie season gets the start. He hurdles Anthony Barr, and the rest is history, and they destroy the Vikings. I believe the score was 27-6, and you know what? It felt like 50-6 to because they absolutely owned every single game or every single element of that game. And four days later, the Vikings had to travel to Los Angeles, and they played the Rams. Now, this was a big game because the Vikings were 1-1-1 in the first season with Kirk Cousins and John D. Filippo as the offensive coordinator. And they went to Los Angeles, and they lost. But it was a tremendous football game. And that football game was 38-31. And the Vikings went step-for-step with a Sean McVay-led offense that was chugging along really well at the time. And they made the Super Bowl that year. I'm not super concerned, Dave, about the Vikings' ability to kind of figure it out and against the Patriots on Thursday be ready to play because some a lot of those players were on that team. Brian O'Neill was on that team, Eric Kendricks, Harrison Smith, Daniil Hunter. You have a lot of guys who are still holdovers 
from that team. They're going to understand what happened. They're going to be able to talk about it. They'll be able to fix it. Um, I think the Vikings are going to come out ready to play. They're going to have their primetime purple uh, color rush jerseys on. They announced which that? the Vikings I was have curious. They, they announced it about an hour ago. Um, awesome. I love that. They have, they have played with those jerseys, to my knowledge, three times. All of them Thursday night football. They lost 17-15 to 15 to the Dallas Cowboys, and they beat the Washington Commanders 19-9 and the Pittsburgh Steelers 36-28 last year. So two, to my knowledge, they're two and one, and I don't think I've missed a game because they debuted in twenty eighteen. More, more than more than that, because that was the color they, rush uniforms before they yeah, called. They debuted in purple. To my knowledge, they debuted them in twenty eighteen. Mm-hmm. They did not wear them in twenty twenty because they did not have a Thursday night game. I think they've only worn them three times. You may be right. I and pro football. Focus. I don't believe you could pull that up or pull that up there on their uh, you know stat head and go. How many times mm-hmm. have they worn this uniform? I I don't yeah. know. You may be right. I do like the uniform, believe it mm-hmm. or not. So go for it. Win this that sucker. Yeah, and let's let's kind of shift gears because the Vikings outworldly stunk on Sunday and they embarrassed everybody, but. We need to talk about the Patriots. It's a short week. And the Patriots are coming off a very weird win, Dave. They beat the New York Jets 10-3, to but they couldn't do anything on offense. Mac Jones completed 23 of 27 passes, but they couldn't move the ball. They only put up three points on offense. They won on a Marcus Jones 84-yard punt return to seal the deal. And With seconds the Vikings, left. Yes. Yeah. The Vikings can stop this offense, and I'm not super worried about it. The receivers aren't necessarily to call grade A. They have some tight ends, but Mac Jones' arm is weaker than a limp pasta noodle. He cannot drive the football down the field whatsoever. And the running game is going to be interesting. How are they going to use their stable backs, Damian Harris from Andre Stevenson? Because they kind of use a committee, and every week it seems like they pick a guy and they kind of roll with him. How how are the Patriots going to be able to move the ball? This is Advertiser Content, brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack-It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to frito No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hit Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. And then how are the Vikings going to stop their pass rush? Because Matthew Judon, like, people kind of laughed at the Patriots for paying him so much money. 
they're not laughing now because he's the number one pass rusher in the country. Mm-hmm. Dave, can you hear Odie right now? I can hear Odie. And we miss Odie, <laughs> but he's obviously yapping at your wife, so that's not a problem on this end. We can barely hear it. Not a big deal. Yeah, it's it's interesting because when I take a look at this Patriots team and I take a look at where the Vikings are at, the Patriots are fighting for the the AFC East. They currently sit at six and four along with the Buffalo Bills and both sorry, along with the um New York Jets. But the Bills and Patriots are both seven and three. Like the this is a very competitive division. The Vikings are on the opposite end. All they need to do is win a couple more games, and they're going to be division champs. Right. And over to the second uh, place, Detroit Lions. Hell yeah. Too bad. Dave, let me ask you this. Yeah, not too bad, Green Bay. Um, How do you feel? How do you feel about this Patriots team? What, what, like, obviously they're. How do I feel? They got a great defense and their offense stinks. As long as we score some points, stay on a positive end, we should win. Now, that's going to be a challenge because they have a great defense. But I think our defense should be able to handle. Their offense relatively well. Tomlinson looks to be back. Caleb Evans, thankfully, looks to be back after some uh, Andrew Booth had uh, was, ex- was very exposed and has not lived up to his draft ranking as of yet. You may be able to tell us why because we're both high on the kid. Um, But I do think the Vikings – they're opening up, I think it's what, three and a half point favorites? And I think uh, that's about right. Yeah. Oh, uh, so one of um one of the people that I talked to um just got the all twenty two and he is not happy. <laughs> and I'm excited to get it because um it, apparently this game looks even worse for Kevin O'Connell than um we initially thought. It's Oh boy, I'm very excited to get it. Um, but let's let's keep talking. Um, hey, I'm with Nick, drinking the purple till the keg of the season is tapped. Yes, baby, let's do a few keg stands. I'm willing to give it a try. I've done a bunch of keg uh, parties in my day. I have no problem returning to my youth. There, Nick. Yeah, yeah. Let's uh. Let's talk about the the prospects of this team. We'll get back to the Patriots. Dave, after this game, are you still bullish on the Vikings making a real run in the playoffs? Because when you have a loss like this, it kind of causes everybody to rethink their opinions and um, readjust their expectations because the data has changed. Yeah, the data absolutely has changed. But I'm not in a panic mode with this team. But I still need to see some things. I need to see willingness to adjust, especially on offense. Well, you named this, we talked last night, and you talked about this game being the turning point, right? The Vikings are facing the turning point right now. It's the whole theme of this show. They can turn left and they can implode like the Cardinals did 
years ago where they started out so good and went to crap. Um, heck, you could point to the Zimmer Vikings in 2016, but a lot of that was injury-driven, and injuries are starting to rack up. Or they can turn right and take this uh, beatdown that they got on Sunday and use it as motivation, embarrassment as motivation. We're not going to let that mm-hmm. happen again. And that goes across the board. It goes from players to coaches, including Kevin O'Connell, to say, hey, no, we're going to take this and we're going to learn. We're going to make sure this never happens again or that we have answers for it if it does. I'm in the that latter group. I think they can make those adjustments. Yeah, uh- I think they can, and I'm very intrigued to see if they will, because obviously Kevin O'Connell's an incredibly smart offensive mind. He, he has been for some time, and that's why he's in the position that he's in. He's also shown himself to be a good leader, and he's willing to take criticism and take blame instead of just deflecting it. It was something Mike Zimmer struggled with. He struggled big time with it, and it's one of the reasons why he ended up um, – not having a job with the Minnesota Vikings anymore. And it's kind of frustrating, but things run their course. It happens. We'll move on. Brian, this is a real if test. Keep, of- if they keep doing what they did with Philly and Dallas, deep playoffs, no way. Yes, I agree. If they keep doing that, what I'm saying is I anticipate that Kevin O'Connell will figure it out and they won't do that. They'll come up with answers. Mm-hmm. That's And if they do come up with answers, then we can go deep. If they don't come up with answers, you are 100% correct. We're looking at a one and done. Yeah. Um, the nice part is not everybody has the horses to do what they do. Play good coverage across the board and get home. That With four-man pressures, the Cowboys got pressure on Kirk Cousins 57% of the time. That's absurd. Like, average in the NFL is going to be around that 30% mark. We're not talking 30%. We're not even talking 40. 57. It's complete ineptitude for a, a multitude of reasons. And the once I get the film, it's going to be an absolute blitz session tomorrow. So I can I can get it taken care of and I can figure out like some of the whys behind what was going on. Um, but I'll tell you this, Dave. Oof. I want, uh, Davey is correct. 77, we took a shellacking by the, the Rams, and yesterday was a shellacking. But we beat them in the mud bowl, and I remember that as a kid. And, yes, Davey, you and I are about the same age. We remember that. You wanted to bring mm-hmm. up some games that fell into that category as well where teams got beat and bounced back. Yeah, and uh, the main one I wanted to talk about was that Bills game in 2018 um, because they played four days later against Los Angeles Rams, and they played a great football game. One of the best things, coaches will say it all the time, Dave, and I'm sure you heard it from uh, some of your coaches as you grew up playing football. The best thing you can do after getting your ass absolutely kicked is get back out on the field. And they, you don't have to wait long. They're already doing installs for the game. There's there's no sit around and wait 
No, they're already game planning. They're already doing walkthroughs in practice. Look, it's Patriots time. There's no more Cowboys. It's Patriots. And I think that that's honestly the best thing for this team right now. It's a short week. It's a holiday week. And they're going to have 10 days to prepare for a, a very good New York Jets defense. But how are they going to respond? Are they going to respond like the Los Angeles Rams game? Are they going to get an opening drive touchdown to set the tone and be like, no, this you're not playing the the Cowboys team. You're playing the team that throttled the Packers. Like that, that's what I want to see. I want to see the tone set right away. Uh, obviously, there's some frustration. You've seen it kind of leak out, but it's okay. Get like you're being honest with yourselves. Justin Jefferson w- was direct. He was not disrespectful, and he said, "Hey, we have to be better." And he said, "Why?" And he said, "How?" There's nothing wrong with those things. Um, Ed asked this question earlier: Bill, burn the film or try to learn from it. I think you have to watch it and try to watch it within real time and be like, okay, this is what we were seeing. Why did we not adjust to it and learn that way? You're not going to learn a lot of, Hey, this guy just kicked my ass all day. You already know that. Try and figure out why you weren't adjusting. And if you did make an adjustments, why didn't they work? You want to go a little deeper um, than just, hey, how did this guy play against that guy? You want to understand processes. You want to understand uh, adjustments. You want to understand game plans. And I think that's how you have to watch the film. And I think it can be incredibly fruitful for the organization to understand that. Are they going to have time this week? That might be something you defer to um, some quality control coaches as the, the big boys are doing the game plan install. And then they can come out and be like, hey, here's a full synopsis of what was going on. This is what I think. Yada, yada, bing, bang. I agree. Absolutely. Can they do it? Absolutely. I think so, too. Um. Ah. (laughs) I think they're going to come and beat New England. I think they're going to have the answer for Belichick's defense. We're going to see an improved team. Do I think they're going to put up 40 points? No. Do I think they're going to win the game? Yes. So, are they making that right turn like I said? This is the turning point. Are they going to make it? I hope so. Um, Time is money and he has some. Yes, Nick, you are right. Um, They got they got to do it. They got to do it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, we're approaching the end of the podcast, Dave. And I don't know if you know this about me, but the best day of the year is this upcoming Thursday. And it's Thanksgiving. You get football day. Why you get is that? Food, food, football, family, friends. And I get to eat so much that I want to puke. I love Thanksgiving. I love it. And I'll tell you this, if you don't like turkey, somebody in your life has never cooked you a good turkey. <laughs> well, I know so Dave, friend of the show, Arif Hassan, will uh, argue with that. Uh, he has very hey, strong opinions on that. 
Um, I went to the Norse Code live show on mm -hmm. uh, this past Thursday night, and they talked about it, which if you haven't listened to Norse Code, um, once you're done with this show, I'll give it a high recommendation. He talked about how he's had a turkey that he's liked. It's the thing is argument I understand now because for how much you spend on turkey and how much effort it takes, it comes nowhere near close to what your expectations should be considering the effort. Okay, that's a fair take. But I'll tell you, you can make turkey taste pretty good. All you got to do, cut the spine, flatten it out on your smoker, Splat season that sucker. It, I think it's called. Yep. Um, trim, like, slit open the skin, shove some bacon, butter, and a couple whole cloves of garlic in there. Smoke it, and every hour or so, spray spray on, I spray apple juice. Okay. Because it's, it's a very mild flavor and it, it keeps it moist and it doesn't and the sugar will help keep it moist too it's very simple like so it, you cook it's not your own turkey science. yeah ed is talking about brining the bird i've heard that as well as a good way uh i'm the one that does the baking in my family uh, i i'd like to focus on the pies because that's all i really care about when it comes to thanksgiving uh, but the best turkey I've ever had is deep fried. Um, we used to do it back in the Air Force. The guys would bring their fryers in, and, mm -hmm. and it was oh, it turned yeah. out the best. I have, I tend to agree with Arif. It's not the best meat, but it's traditional for Thanksgiving, so we do turkey. This year, mm -hmm. I'm doing a turkey breast. First time I've not done the whole bird, and I'm doing just the breast. I've been watching videos today, believe it or not, on the best way to do that. I will try to figure it out. Somebody asked, has the Patriots beat the Vikings in the, the past under Bill Belichick? And I'm trying to look that up real quick. Yes, once. Only 2000. once. Dante Culpepper's second ever start. They, they went into Foxborough and beat Bill Belichick. They never beat Tom Brady as a starting quarterback. Interesting. That sounds mm -hmm. uh besides the only once, Davy and his marinade, his bird and OJ and brown sugar sounds interesting. Ooh, that does sound good. I will say, my wife heard the the turkey talk and she texted me making fun of me because I'm not making a turkey this year, but I have made a turkey. And I do a pretty good job with the bird. So um, I'm sure I'll be hearing about that all night, which uh, that's okay. My wife loves me. Clifford says turkey and ham for Thanksgiving, prime rib for Christmas. I agree with you 100%, Clifford. Ooh. Prime rib I just is got a, a big Christmas meat. I just got a three-and-a-half-pound prime rib roast at Coburn's, a grocery store in town, and I paid nine ninety nine a pound for it. How in the world did you get it here? Prime rib down here is probably running close to $20 a pound. Last year I paid twenty dollars a pound. I don't I don't know what the deal was, but that's they they were running a special and I took advantage of it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna smoke it on my birthday and I'm gonna have a big slab of prime rib on my birthday. And let me tell you. I it's a, it's a wonderful piece of meat. Wonderful roast. Absolutely. So, Dave, let's end the show on a fun note. Um I think the Vikings are gonna end up winning on Sunday, but 
It's beside the point. On Thursday. See, I'm so disjointed from being just absolutely embarrassed this past weekend that, yeah, it is Thursday. Um, Dave, what are your five favorite Thanksgiving Day foods? My favorite? Five favorite? Pie, 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 and pie. (laughs) Um, One, that's six, and two, that wasn't descriptive. (laughs) You didn't say what kinds of pie. Well, I I love virtually all kinds of pie. Um, My... uh, Oh. Ex-wife, rest her soul, um, used to make a fantastic pecan pie. I do a fruited pie. I've got one planned already. already bought the ingredients. We're doing cherry. Two types of cherries, raspberry, blackberry, all going to be mixed in a deep dish. Love that. I do like your traditional pumpkin pie. Um, A good apple pie, especially a Dutch, little crumbs, is good as well. But... For Thanksgiving, I like cranberries. Give me fresh cranberries. I've always liked cranberries. It helps with dry turkey meat. (laughs) It just works that way. Um, I've had some good stuffing. I've had some bad stuffing or dressing, depending on where you come from, and whether it's in the bird or not in the bird. Uh, I like mashed potatoes and gravy. I like Green beans, I'm not a fan. I've had some good green bean casseroles, but that's not a big deal. If you're down south, when I lived in Virginia, they love to include a good macaroni and cheese. I'm not, mm-hmm. a, I don't object to that. Uh, it, but it, for my family, it's a whole day. We start in the morning, we start with sausages and bacon and treats. We'll do muffins or some sort of lemon bread or something like that to get. You know, us in the mood, we watch football all day, we bake, we uh, sometimes we do the pies the day before, sometimes we don't, depends on the scheduling for the oven. And it's it's just, it's a wonderful family event, and we sit down and watch football, and I think it's great that the Vikings are playing this Thursday. It's just wonderful. Yeah. It's a good holiday. Look. You uh you made some good points on, on uh food, but I got to tell you the number one Thanksgiving Day food. I love strawberry rhubarb. I love rhubarb. Yeah. The number one Thanksgiving Day food, Dave. It's not turkey. It's not mashed potatoes. It's not pie. It is gravy. Gravy is the number one Thanksgiving Day food. I, it, it's you can have your own spirit. For me, it's pie. I also drink a lot of wine on Thanksgiving. So. Drinking a lot of wine, you expect me to be a little bit tipsy when we come into the final score on Thursday night. Hell yeah. Hey, I just got a, a text from my wife saying that gravy's not even food. Well, <laughs> I, I'm sure that that'll be a fun conversation in a few minutes. Um, I love turkey, um, mashed potatoes, and but number two is my mom makes it and my wife is making it this year. Um it's a pumpkin chiffon pudding. Ooh, and so it, here is the basis of it. It is essentially pumpkin pie filling, add gelatin, whip it into a meringue, and it's like very springy and squishy, and it's one of the greatest things you'll ever eat in your life. Um, I'll put three mashed potatoes, four turkey, and then five. My aunt, Laura, um, um <laughs> Caitlin, yeah, F my life. I have to make that pumpkin pudding tonight. I love her. She's a gem. Um, hey, you got a good wife. Yeah. You got to keep I really do. 
uh, oh, I have I have a big time keeper. Um, but she makes this. My aunt makes this broccoli cheese casserole. So it's like broccoli, corn, uh, cheese, and I don't know. She puts other stuff in there too. I I just remember those three. And it's if you don't like broccoli, it's a great starter. Like you don't have to like hate broccoli or love broccoli. The you just like oh, the cheese makes a massive difference, a huge one. And I'll tell you, I I am a big fan of it. Well, we have a family dish called fluff. I like cranberries, and it uses cranberries, Cool Whip, and uh, cran raspberry Jello mixed together. Absolutely wonderful. If you want to talk about something simple and easy that kids love, it is awesome. But Thanksgiving is for family, friends, and good memories. And the Vikings will hopefully top that off on Thursday with a wonderful one as we defeat the New England Patriots. Ooh, um, Dave, I know this is a completely off topic, but apparently um, Lane Kiffin, the Ole Miss head coach, is going to step down and take the Auburn job. Huge movement in the SEC. That's going to be interesting. I want to try this fluff now, and I like it sounds good. It's easy. It's 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 super easy, and especially if you have kids, guaranteed they'll eat it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Dave, that's the show for tonight. Woo! Hey, yep. We had Niner sickness on, right? Beto, Beto. Good luck on your game tonight. The the Forty ers play tonight down in Mexico City. Should be a good game. Yeah. Um, make sure you like, subscribe, uh, rate our both on YouTube and then also on the podcast feed when it comes out. If you're listening to that, uh, we're going to have a nice lineup of shows here this weekend. Are we full, Dave? We are full this week. We have you tonight, Monday, kicking off the week as usual. Tomorrow night, we have a Vikings hot take. Takes with... Uh, the great Flip Mozzie and Eric Thompson of the Daily Norseman giving their hot takes. And then Wednesday, we have Vikings Happy Hour where we have Chad Graff, and I'm trying to remember the second one, two beat writers of the Patriots. And we're going to be talking about Patriots going into Thursday, Thursday night, of course. In the final two minutes, we'll go with the final score live. We appreciate you yesterday coming and join us, even though it was a blowout. We're going to have a good week this week. Remember, folks, it's Thanksgiving week. Family, friends, and good football all meld together here on Climbing the Pocket. Damn right, Dave. Skull Vikings, everyone. Enjoy your turkey week. Skull Vikings! Thanks for watching. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell, and rate us on your favorite aggregator. And a special shout-out goes to our partners, The Daily Norseman, where the best Vikings content can be found, and to Lake Monster Brewing, home of the best beer in Minnesota. Skull, everybody. Skull, everybody.